I'm Chris Turner, and this is Tapestry's Empowered to Connect podcast. And joining me today are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Greetings, Christopher. We also have a special guest joining us around the table, Maggie Pop. Hi, Maggie. Hi. Hi, Maggie. Hey, Maggie. <laughs> I just want to make sure that you feel welcomed by all of us, not just Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. That. You bet. Maggie is an Empowered to Connect parent trainer with her husband, Brian, in the St. Louis metro area. They have six children, two adopted out of the foster care system, three biological kids, and one foster child. So, gang, I wanted to have Maggie on to discuss with us why traditional parenting doesn't work for adopted and foster kids. So, why doesn't it work? Well, I guess first we should probably talk about, like, what is traditional parenting? Okay. I mean, I think that when we, um, when we teach the Empower to Connect course, one of the things that we first address with parents is kind of some of the main parenting tools that we use mm-hmm. and everybody really always agrees with these things right you know we use verbal reprimands like yelling mm-hmm. um giving sermons things like that you know um we use isolation like time out go to your room things like that mm-hmm. um physical go discipline think about what you've done right? right right physical discipline and then we really overuse consequences in traditional parenting mm-hmm. those are really kind of our four go-to parenting tools that most people come to class with and they're like, well, these aren't working. And so we need to replace them with something else because it doesn't work for our kids. Right. Right. And so I think we can kind of talk about maybe some of the, Um, before we move on, I was hoping we could expand a little bit on what you said about how we overuse consequences. Um, because in the last, uh, the last parenting tool we, we teach is how to use consequences appropriately. And we can get to that here in a little bit. But just wanted to take a couple of seconds here to kind of think about all the ways that the people traditionally consequence their, their kids. Like um, they don't have access to TV for a week, two weeks, a month. Right. They lose the their rest of your lives. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, lose, um, they lose their electronics. Um, don't get to go out with your friends. Yep. Right, yeah. School functions, right. birthday parties, things like that. I guess also something that we do is even when we don't necessarily consequence, um, we use a lot of threats. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's true. The threat of consequence versus the actual consequence. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. the problem with threatening is, you know, when, when we get into that, that punitive loop with our kids, and especially now that our kids are getting older, you get the... You can tell by the look on their face that they think lots of bad things about you. They're, they're going to call you bluff. <laughs> yeah, in that moment. So, sooner or later, right? Yeah, so. and, and all that they all that you're doing is because, you know, our kids have got the street smarts. What did Purvis like to say, Kayla? The street smarts of a 25-year-old in the body of a 12-year-old or, or some kind of version of that. With like the brain of a six-year-old, basically. Right. Yeah, so... You're right. They do, Chris. They do, they, do, they do call you, and once they catch you bluffing, you know... It's hard to play poker with them, right? At that point, so if you know, if you, you pretty if much you, lost that tool at that point. Yeah. So if you if you if you say it, uh, you better mean it, you and if you don't mean through. it, you better not say it, right? And I think that's that's you know that's how I was raised. My dad made elaborate threats, and, and then didn't follow through. And then follow through, and so 
Um, and so, yeah, that's what that's really the part of the problem with consequences is if you don't follow, th- if, if you do follow through on them in a traditional sense, the kids come to learn that you're unreasonable, mm-hmm. right? I, viol- I violated this small rule in the house um, that like, you know, I didn't take the trash out like I was supposed to before I went to school on Monday. So mom or dad had to do it or the bins are full because they weren't taken out. So I lose my phone for a week. So in that moment, you, they are correct in assuming that you're unreasonable, mm-hmm. right? But the other side of that is for kids that have compromised trust is that if you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it and you just make threats mm-hmm. while well, you're establishing that you're not a trustworthy person to them. And so making the threats actually really sets them back and sets your relationship with backwards. Um, I don't know how to say that less awkwardly right. than that, but you know what I mean, right? Right. Yeah. So guys, when we talk about these traditional parenting tools not working for our kids. Let's talk about some specifics. Like, why doesn't a timeout work? I think timeouts are really interesting because it's something that, like, every parent is told you must use timeouts starting mm. when your child is like two. Because, you know, we don't want to spank anymore, right? Right, so that right. Timeout kind of replaced the, the corporal punishment of spanking. Yes. It's kind of like that parenting tool that you know when you go to like your first mops you know mothers of preschoolers Mm. meeting they're like okay here's how you parent i'm not saying that's what they actually say but you know what i mean like (laughs) as you're talking to all the moms and they kind of go okay here's what you're supposed to do the first thing you do when they're disobeying is you put them in timeout and because they're only two you set the timer for two minutes (laughs) and then (laughs) you go it's seriously it's supposed to be a oh, minute wow. it's a minute for, the for, a minute for every year oh, of age gosh. right so i was trying this with one of my children i don't know at some point and it's like every time they would get up i would reset the timer and i'm like oh it's gonna start over again three more minutes oh. four more minutes or whatever and you find yourself sitting there for like an hour. You don't even remember why they're sitting, <laughs> why they're sitting there. there. You just keep dragging them back to this one spot. And you're like, this is ridiculous, yeah. right? And and the concept is that you're supposed to leave them there until they are able to regulate themselves. The problem is our kids can't regulate themselves. Mm-hmm. They can't. They need us to be that external regulator for them. They need us to help them to calm down. And so... Instead, we use time in, which is not like the opposite of time out. It's just a way to help our kids calm down. And you don't set a timer. And I think when I first learned about time in versus time out, I thought that it was just a different name for time out. Mm. And you sat with your kids. So I would sit and ignore my children (laughs) while sitting next to them, (laughs) waiting for them to regulate themselves. And I'm like, wait. That's not exactly what this is supposed to be. And so I finally kind of realized that it's it's really a way to help them calm and help them figure out how to get themselves regulated so that you can go back and um, redo whatever situation had just happened. So mm-hmm. you can go back and teach them, you know, and correct whatever was going on that caused them to get so dysregulated. Mm. I think also with timeouts... Um, when we're thinking about building connection with our children and building attachment with our children, um, what a timeout tells a kid is you have to be away from me until you've got it together and then we can, and then I can be with you and then we can be together instead of, um, there's something going on. Let's work through this together. 
let's, let's connect over this. Um, and so we're pushing our children away anytime they're doing something wrong, which just builds shame and, um, and breaks relationship versus building it. Yeah. It makes the relationship more adversarial versus a team, uh, a unified, you know, us against this problem versus me against you. Yeah. Yeah. and, and, And the message I think they hear is there's nothing about the way you're acting that qualifies you to be a part of the family right now. Mm. Mm. So you are now excused from being part of the family and you can go sit somewhere by yourself. You don't have the skills to regulate yourself, but you need to go and sit by yourself. And when your behavior improves, you can come back and you're welcome. Because you'll magically develop those skills by yourself. In the other room. In the other room. Nothing nothing good in a child's life develops in isolation, Mm. right? And that's what timeout really is. You're, you're now asking somebody that doesn't have the emotional capability or the skill set. No, nobody has mentored them in, in any kind of regulation that they're able to, to self-regulate. And you're requiring a four-year-old to get themselves together without, without your presence. And so the timing thing is interesting, though, because it's a calming strategy, right? And so that can be they may need to go and separate from, from the group. But not done with the shove you away, isolate yourself. I mean, you can tell the story about that one, the one foster daughter we had years ago when you, this was kind of like the, your aha moments when it, that it's not really the opposite of, of time out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because I think it looks different with every kid, right? Cause when we say time in, like, as when we're talking about time out, we think of little kids like, mm-hmm. you know, two to eight or so, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the age range we kind of think of timeout. Then once they get to, you know, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there, we send them to their room mm-hmm. and we say, go to your room. You can come out when, you'll, when you're done screaming or throwing a fit or whatever we say, right? So we, we isolate them in a different way as they get older. But time in can work for any kid at any age, and we can use it in different ways. It doesn't have to look the same because it's not a punishment. Time out was a punishment. Mm-hmm. Time in is calming. So time in might look like going for a walk while you calm down. And then you're able to talk about what went wrong or what happened. Time in might look like, you know, sitting in the kitchen, um, chopping vegetables or stirring a pot of whatever you're cooking for dinner. Um, That's my favorite. I like to do yeah. that with the, the, mm. the littles and the middles. Invite them into the kitchen. And I had I had our nine-year-old son chopping vegetables tonight. Um, it's just as a time of us being in <laughs> community together. But also time in could be going to your room. It would just look different than sending a child to their room, right? So maybe a teenager, you've talked to them ahead of time that, hey, when you get dysregulated... And things are, are, are amping up and you're feeling frustrated and you're getting kind of out of control. We can teach those teenagers to have a place that they go to cool off and calm mm-hmm. down because they may not want us right there in their face right. trying to help them calm. They may rather want us to give them the skill set ahead of time and just remind them, hey, why don't you go to your calm down spot or why don't you go to your cool off place or whatever we want to call it. And it might be in their room listening to some music, laying under their weighted blanket, or um, it might be going outside to, you know, shoot a few basketball hoops and then come back in 
a little calmer. Um, we even had one little foster daughter who she could not regulate if she could see people near her. She needed to be in a place that was, that was safe and secure. Like she needed a small area. If she was in a big room, she would just kind of go crazy and like hit her head against the wall and, you know, bite and hit and pull hair. And, and so for her, what I had to do was I had to actually take her, she was little, um, and I could pick her up. And when she got really dysregulated, I would take her to her crib, which, cause her crib for her was her really safe space. Mm. And so not in a, you're in trouble kind of way, but in a, let me help you calm. It had her blanket. It had her stuffed animal that she liked. And I would put her in her crib and then I would walk out for a minute and immediately she was calm Hmm. and I could walk back in and say, are you ready? And I could have that playful voice Hmm. and she'd stand up in her crib. She'd lift her arms up and she was ready to go. Hmm. But she had to have that comfort, those comfort items. And she had to have that safe space to go. And I felt really guilty about it because I was like, I know I'm not supposed to isolate this child, but I was able to find what worked for her. Mm -hmm. And it's different for every kid because some kids want to climb in my lap and they want me to rub their back and they want me to give them something to drink. And then they're ready to talk. You said that a time in is a calming strategy. What happens when mom or dad are so upset with something that's just happened that mom and dad need to calm down before they could really get into the time in? How do we deal with ourselves in that situation? Great question. Like, you know, I really don't want to see you right now because I'm so upset about what just transpired. You know what I find works the best? I put them in my lap and I snuggle them. If they'll let me. Mm. And most of my kids will, they really like that because they're really craving connection. Mm. Now, some kids don't want to be touched, so you have to know your kids. Right. But my kids, I can't get, I can't be mad at them if they're snuggled up in my lap. I just can't. But sometimes I need to take a couple of deep breaths myself. I need to use my own calming strategies mm. um, before I help them calm. And that's kind of what I was going to say too. Like, I think just in the same way that we have to work with our kids proactively to make sure that they know what they can do in these tense situations, that they know what their options are. We have to work with ourselves proactively mm. and yeah. say, what works for me to calm me down? What, ha- what do I need to do when my lid is flipped and, um, and I have to be able to deal with this situation. And if we, cause if we don't have those tools ahead of time, then we are going to be more prone to resorting to yelling or whatever it is. Um, then if we do have those tools in place and we can calm ourselves down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We recently started talking with our two little guys about the whole, you know, flipping your lid thing. We, we use the whole, you know, fingers over the thumb fist that we use in class yeah. and that kind of thing. And, you know, <clears throat> and my wife told him, you know, you, you know, do you guys know that, you know, mommy and daddy flip their lids? Like when you guys maybe do something that we don't want you to do and it, we get upset and, they're like, yeah. And then we had noticed. I've seen that before. <laughs> and so she said, well, you know what? If you see that starting to happen with mom and dad, let us know. Mm-hmm. Just like we'll try to let you guys know. And so, of course, you know, a couple of days go by. And sure enough, one of them's doing something that's just absolutely driving my wife crazy. And she's just about, you know, to flip her lid and, you know, yell or whatever. And, and of course, it's the very child that's 
Driving her bananas. Driving her bananas. It says, Mom, were you about to flip your lid? <laughs> There's just something so cute about a kid saying that. Right. If you haven't quite flipped your lid, it's not quite so cute when your lid is yeah. completely but, but, flipped. But, but you're, onto, you're onto something good there, right? In that um, you have given, by, by, by explaining that to your small children, you have given them a level of power that, that they don't... Uh, that they that most kids don't have. You mm-hmm. have given them permission to say, "Hey, these are the signs that you need to look for." And if mom and dad are doing these things, it's okay for you to tell me that. And I think that's it's not what you're doing at the same time, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> got the implication. If you could just that would be helpful. <laughs> no, I know you're you're making light of it, but it really is powerful because you've told a five year old little boy. Right, that he can look you in the eye and say, "Daddy, I see that you're heading for a bad place," and he has power in that situation, but also it's disarming, mm. right? I mean, every I, I promise you, for years, every time until probably until they're teenagers and they're like accompanying eye rolls <laughs> right. and stuff. Um, but but when when your kid says, "Hey, you're scaring me," because you're about to, for those of us who are really. Um, really concerned about how, how, how our behaviors impact our children mm-hmm. that's disarming right that's that's all that's that's almost like having a kid climb in your lap right mm. and um so i think it's it's really really good and, and you know, to maggie's point from earlier i think that this kind of parenting requires you to pay so much more attention to your own behavior mm-hmm. right i know like you can find like time magazine has articles on mindfulness and that's kind of like a little bit of a cultural buzzword now but it's true though you have to pay attention to what you're doing you have to you know one of the tools we teach parents in the class is you have to learn to regulate your own emotional state because not only is that you being in control of your actions but you're also teaching your children how to be how someone in controls their actions and reacts appropriately so um, it's like it's a dance they always refer to it as a dance right we're always going back and forth and moving in tandem and they're learning by watching much more than they're learning by listening and whenever they say that to you and then they can see you pause and use deep breaths or pause and use magic mustache or whatever <laughs> it is that you use. Um, you are modeling for them too. Right. They're seeing being able you to regulate. Self-regulate, right. Right. Which is in effect co co-regulation because mm. you're teaching them side by side how to regulate yourself. Yeah. It's just like when we talk about, you know, apologizing to our kids so that they will learn how to apologize. Mm-hmm. Right. And they will learn how to repair those mistakes. It's the same thing with anything. We model it and they're going to pick up on that way more than they are us giving them a lecture on why you should breathe deeply whenever you mm. get frustrated or whatever, you know. Yeah, so, you know, you do the, the bowl of soup thing. You can smell smell the soup. soup. Mm. Cool, cool the soup. soup. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, Henry Milton from, from the Institute uh, said, man, that's not for me. You got to smell my wings and you got to cool my wings. <laughs> I prefer that to a bowl of soup, too. I do, too. Especially here in Texas, where it really doesn't get cold enough, long enough for For soup to be a really big deal. But you can have hot wings any day of the week. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's a a culturally relevant point. There you go. (laughs) So we talked about timeouts. Let's talk about yelling. Why doesn't yelling work? Me, me, (laughs) me. Ryan, you have the floor. And, And the only reason that I yelled me, me, me while waving my hand in the air is because I am a world-class yeller. 
and I'm not proud of that fact. It sounded like I was proud of it, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm it did not. Kind of sound like you're a little proud. But but you know how um, we talk a lot about how you have to be intentional in your parents parenting and on this podcast i've referred to this as repentance parenting you know choosing to do something a different way um i was raised by yellers um you know my parents are mellowing as they get older and don't seem to yell as much but 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 i come from a from a family of yellers they were raised by yellers it's multi-generational and so i find when my when my stress level rises in the house so does my volume Mm. and um that's bad on, on a, for, for a bunch of reasons, um, but but especially for our kids, you know, we talk a lot about how your brain is wired by experience, the Hebbian principle, you know, what fires together, wires together. Right. And so a lot of our kids come from situations where, um, in my family, it's just like people were raising their voices mm. growing up, right? And but but for my children who come from difficult situations, it's like, oh no, when things get loud in my house, people get hurt. I better duck for cover. And it just is, it's like a, um, it's like you just recreate and making them relive a really, really traumatic experiences. And you just think you're yelling. So they're just like tons and tons of negative effects just from yelling at kids from hard places. And I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Well, I was going to say not to mention that it's just a very disconnected way to parent, to parent. Mm-hmm. It's very much me against you. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, you know, right. it's, we want them to see us as on their team and helping them because it's not about them. It's about their behavior. Mm-hmm. And so if we're trying to just stop a behavior, then yelling's effective because it scares our kids. They stop. It squelches it for the moment. But it doesn't squelch it in the long run. Right. And it doesn't really, it's not really an effective tool for building connection with our kids. It's not really an effective tool in building relationship, which is what we're, what we're after. If we just want to stop the behavior, if that's all we're concerned about, then there's a lot of traditional parenting techniques that'll work just fine. Mm -hmm. Yelling is one of them, but it's not going to help us build connection. It's not going to help us build trust. It's not going to show our kids that we're on their team and that we're trying to help them learn something Mm -hmm. that we're trying to teach them something right because discipline is not about punishment it's not about just stopping a behavior discipline is about training and yelling doesn't train them to do anything Mm -hmm. except yell at their kids when they're older it's also it's the most it's like the ultimate in short-term thinking when it comes Mm -hmm. to parenting yeah because it doesn't require you to literally do anything else than Mm -hmm. raise your voice you don't have to get up you don't have to go over to them you don't have to touch them you know, in like you were saying, Kayla, it doesn't build a connection, which is really what we want in the long term. Right. But we kind of limit ourselves to short term thinking and we want that immediate result. Right. It's just kind of a based upon the way most of us were parented, that traditional parenting model. That's what we're looking for. Right. I want this baby to stop now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, not to mention um, that with a lot of our kids, because yelling at them sends them directly into fight flight or freeze Mm. if you've got a fighter it's it's not going to squelch the behavior you're going to escalate your child's going to escalate and because you have already flipped your lid you're going to escalate and and you end up in a much worse situation than you would have been in the first place and if your child is a has a flight response then do they stop doing what they're doing do they get really quiet yes but you but it's only because you've scared them Mm. yeah 
Yeah, so you're modifying behavior in the moment, which you said is a real short-term solution, right? It is right. short-term thinking because you can modify behavior in the moment, but you're not changing behavior over time. Right. So um, I want you to stop doing that, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's what you're thinking as a parent. But what you're not thinking of in that moment is, I want you to stop doing that forever. Yeah. <laughs> right? Which is what we're talking about. We're talking about, why, don't they, why don't they get that? We're talking about yeah. modified behavior, right? Yep. But when we're yelling, we're only stopping in that moment. We're not helping them stop doing that. Yeah, you're modifying your ever changing. again kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, may, may I tell one of my one of my one of the, the most honest moments we've ever had with a, with a group of people who've gone through any kind of the training so one of the questions we ask early on is why do you parent the way you do and, and I think we're planning on addressing that at a later episode um, and so we go around the room and everybody gives you know the handful of versions uh, you know some version of the same answer basically mm -hmm. but this young this one young mom in the back of the room she she I, I, I actually thanked her for her courage. She said, look, I'll be honest, I parent the way I do because I want other people to think I'm a good parent. Mm. And if that is your mindset, then modifying behavior in the moment and essentially crushing the rebellion, mm. you will do anything to modify the behavior and get compliance. And that is quite possibly the most dangerous approach mm. to parenting a child from, heart, from a hard place. Mm -hmm is wanting compliance immediately because it does not play out that way. And um, you know I love quotes. I'm going to quote Darren Jones. Darren said, um, if somebody, some kid asks you for five more minutes and you insist that you want them to do it now, you are signing up for a two-hour behavioral intervention that's going to get really bad. And he said, I don't understand why parents will argue for two hours over six minutes. Mm. Yeah. Because we get caught up in it and we get so focused on they have to comply. They have to do what we want and we don't weave. And, and there, are, there are many ways. Kayla says this a lot. We know where we got to go, but there are many paths to getting to where we want to go in terms of mm. raising our children. And we lose sight of that if we're not doing the work, like Maggie said earlier, about being aware of who we are, us practicing outside of the moment. Because when you're the practice outside of the moment thing, we think that our kids just have to practice outside of the moment. But we have to practice outside of the moment. I have to be good outside of the moment so when the moment arrives, I can be good in that too. Right. I mean, I think that the reason um, overall that these strategies don't work is because none of these strategies are truly and honestly looking at what the child needs and why they're behaving the way that they are um, and and correcting from that angle. They're, like you said, just correcting from an angle of stop this behavior and stop it right now. And when we're not looking at um, what our child needs and, and helping them to get what they need, then that is never going to be a long-term solution is never actually going to work because we're not ever building trust and connection with our kids. Well, and if we're honest, it's also lazy parenting mm -hmm. because it's, yeah. all, it's all... Immediate, right. Well, but it's all also reactive. Yeah. Right. Some, there's been some kind of behavioral breakdown and now I swoop in to try to fix the situation by yelling, by delivering a finely crafted... 15 minute sermon uh, <laughs> by, by taking your Xbox away from you and all and sending you to your room and all of those things uh, but you know, the shift into the, into, into you know, the ETC stuff is that you need to do the hard work ahead of time like we tell people if you'll give us those four tools and over the course of the nine week course we'll give you 25 strategies well 24 of them 
are proactive and put mm. all of the pressure square, squarely on the parent to invest into the relationship and do the hard work ahead of time so that we eventually get to a place where we're getting to these kinds of behavioral meltdowns less frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, the duration decreases, the intensity decreases, and the frequency decreases over time. And I make no promises what over time is because some people hear over time and they hear six months, and that's probably in 99% of cases just simply not going to be true. Right, that's really optimistic. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's, lo- it's, a longer, it's a longer process than that, but that's what we signed up for. Well, it's an investment in our kids, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's we're thinking long term. We're thinking not how am I going to get my four year old to behave. We're thinking what kind of person is my child going to be? What kind mm, of relationship am I going to have with my kid? And that's really what our goal as parents should be: not making sure my four year old behaves at preschool. Right. You know, yeah. That's why we tend to call this investment parenting. Exactly right. Well, I would like to thank all three of you for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. If you have a question for us that will fit into 140 characters, you can tweet it to us at tapestryibc. If you require a bit more room than Twitter gives us, you can email us at tapestry at irvingbible.org. You can also find us on Facebook at tapestryibc. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store. Just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. If you've enjoyed and gotten value from this podcast, we would appreciate a review in either location. Empowered to Connect is the training and support community of Tapestry, the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. You can check the show notes for relevant links from this episode and find more resources on our website, tapestryministry.org. Thanks for listening.